0: The opinions expressed on The Rob Report are the opinions of the hosts participating callers and or listener emails, texts, and letters, and are not necessarily the opinions of WDAY or Form Communications.
1: Port 970 WDIM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you, Ben. How's it going? Going good, Rob. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, We got a a good show coming up. One o'clock. You know, President Trump's going to be visiting Fargo tomorrow. And uh, today we've actually got a member of the Trump family that's going to be on the program. Laura Trump, wife of Eric Trump, is going to be on. Uh, Laura, she was a longtime producer uh, for the uh, TV news show uh, Inside Edition. Uh, She also uh, has been uh, an online producer and fundraiser for President Trump um, during his campaigns. He's been elected. Uh, She appears in front of the cameras as a spokesperson for the Real News Update reports produced by Trump Productions. Uh, Like I said, she's married to Eric Trump. And, uh, yeah, she's going to be on the program talking about her uh, father-in-law's upcoming visit to uh, Fargo tomorrow, which we can also talk about a little bit on the program today as well. What do you want to hear from President Trump when he's here? I mean, I, I get it's a campaign rally. I, I think we kind of all know what to expect from that. But if he if he's going to address some serious policy considerations, what would you like to hear him talk about?
0: Um, ben, do you have anything on your agenda you'd like to hear? Not particularly. I can imagine, you know, he's going to talk about what's going on with the uh, the southern border. He will talk about uh, today what happened with the travel ban being upheld by the Supreme Court. Um, as far as anything I want him to talk about, and I think he'll talk about it in like a super meaningful way i i'm not i don't really have any expectations on that front i guess
1: yeah i mean maybe i mean this is a political rally so it is It's going
0: to be what it's going to be
1: i mean i would i would like to hear him sort of burst this bubble behind senator heitkamp or this bubble that, that senator heitkamp's trying to create around herself that she's this you know trump ally in in the united states senate she's just she's just not i mean scoring her in the context of the rest of her democratic caucus in the Senate uh, who hate president Trump, but thinks he's a villain. Um, Sure. Okay. She's, she's friendly to Trump for a Democrat, which is to say, I mean, that's, that's a bar so low you could trip over it. I think that president Trump, her, her campaign's been out trying to create this narrative that, you know, she's a Trump ally. I don't think that's going to, that's going to survive a rebuttal from Trump himself. Um, It's been a little surreal to watch, but I have a feeling that after tonight, after tomorrow's rally, it's uh, there's going to be an end to that. Uh, So that's uh, that's going on. Uh, Let's see. we are have Laura Trump on. Also, uh, later in the program at one thirty, we're going to talk to John Pudner from um, taking back our republic. He is a proponent of the uh, ballot measure to um, to create an ethics commission here in the state of North Dakota. We'll talk with him about that a little bit. Uh, plus your phone call 701 9000 888 970 9329 Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh let's see what do we got going on here. I would I would like to hear President Trump, in addition to sort of again addressing the, the height camp situation, I'd like to hear him talk about trade. Um if if he's going to address any serious policy questions, I, I think he's got to address trade. I mean, we have farmers from our part of the world saying that they're they're feeling a little bit like bargaining chips. Um we have you know, t- today he- he's attacking, and I-, I think this speaks maybe to to what we're hearing from some of the manufacturers in our part of the world. Um, what we're hearing from from President Trump on on trade. You know, today he's attacking Harley Davidson. Yep. And you know what? You know what's actually kind of funny about that. When President Trump, obviously, there's there's differences of style, but just in terms of of substance, I hear. I mean, what, what President Trump is doing to Harley Davidson right now. Is, is kind of something I, I I feel like like the Obama administration would have done. Really? How so? Again, I I think I think the style is is obviously different. I mean, president President Trump is is more bombastic than President Obama was. But re- remember back when um, back in two thousand eight when Vice President Joe Biden was telling us at the time the Obama administration was was pushing a policy that would have raised taxes. It was it was basically wealth redistrib. Redistribution. We were going to raise taxes on the top brackets and cut taxes uh, for the lower brackets. And people who complained about it, I mean, Vice President Joe Biden was out there telling us that paying higher taxes was patriotic. Huh. The counterpart being basically that if you disagree with the policy, you're not patriotic. There was also the other que- uh, another question towards the end of the Obama administration. They were taking on this policy. They called it corporate inversion which was basically where American companies were moving their headquarters or out overseas in order to get away from, frankly, what were arduous tax policies here in the United States, right? The Obama administration attacked them as being, um, again, you know, sort of unpatriotic, of, of sort of cheating, of sort of avoiding American politics, not paying their fair share. I mean, that was the rhetoric— we got from the obama administration but i i looked at those businesses i looked at those individual taxpayers and what i saw and heard were people acting rationally if you raise taxes on an individual that individual is is going to look to try to find ways if they're a scrupulous person find legal ways if they're unscrupulous perhaps illegal ways they're going to find ways to avoid that tax burden you know that's that's just reality i mean even even if, if 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 the government institutes a policy that is draconian, you have a risk of fraud. I mean, that's what we saw with alcohol prohibition. What did people do? Did they stop drinking booze? Well, no, not really. They just started doing it illegally. The same is true of the tax code. I mean, people react to it in ways. They usually don't just sit still for it, you change their behavior. And so what happens when the Obama administration raises taxes, people are going to find ways not to pay that tax. So if North Dakota, if, if, if America, excuse me, has an onerous business tax climate, then businesses are going to find a way to avoid that, in, up to and including perhaps moving their headquarters overseas, perhaps not repatriating uh, profits that they earn overseas. That's, that's just reality. Now, the Obama administration called that unpatriotic, and I'm looking at what President Trump's doing to Harley Davidson Now what Harley Davidson is doing, and – the president's right this move by harley davidson had been in the plan for a long time it's hard to say that the move itself was a reaction to the more recent trade policies implemented by implemented by the trump administration that said there's no question that president trump's trade tariffs on imported steel imported aluminum have spiked the costs of those materials so if you're a company and you're in the business of manufacturing specifically in harley davidson's case the business of manufacturing motorcycles, you use a lot of steel. You use a lot of aluminum. And if the cost of those things go up, you're going to have to maybe try to find a way to avoid that. Now we could debate about whether or not this is the best business move for Harley Davidson. I'm not a stockholder in the company. I really have no interest there. It's not my place to tell them what's best for their business. But what I don't like is President Trump attacking a company for making a decision that's in their best interest? I mean, this is what the Obama administration did, and it's wrong. If Harley-Davidson feels like like their business uh, is, is going to be better elsewhere overseas, well, then more power to them. They have an obligation to themselves. They have an obligation to their employees. They have an obligation to their stockholders to do what's best for their company. The question we should ask ourselves in terms of public policy is why is Harley Davidson doing this? What can we do in the United States of America to, to make this a better place to do business? And sometimes there's just nothing you can do. Sometimes markets shift around the world. Sometimes, you know, labor, labor costs and, and other, other things are just re- realities that we can't necessarily influence through public policy. But I don't I don't want to start this practice where whereby we 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 deem it patriotic that businesses just sit still for the policies put in place by the, the, the politicians of the moment. I don't think it was right when the Obama administration did it, and I don't think it's right now that the Trump administration is doing it. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't like what President Trump is doing on trade. I don't like what he's doing to harley davidson and and again maybe maybe you think it's wrong maybe maybe you think harley davidson's making the wrong decision maybe you even think harley davidson is using president trump's policies as cover for a decision they knew would be unpopular anyway maybe i i don't know i'm not really in a place to judge that one way or the other but i don't want politicians again one one of the, the bedrock what makes america great Right, What makes free market economies work is that we are free to react to those sorts of policies. We don't necessarily have to just sit still for them. When We talk about policies all the time. If a business moves from Minnesota to North Dakota, as many businesses do, if they move from Minnesota to North Dakota to take advantage of our lower taxes here, to take, take advantage of our lower cost of doing business here, is it right for Minnesotans to accuse those companies of being unpatriotic to their state? Or can we just recognize that those those businesses are making a rational decision judging based on on an analysis of the policies in the respective states? You know, if, if Minnesota wants to do something about it, then maybe they ought to reform their policies or just accept that their policies aren't going to be right for every business and some businesses are going to move on elsewhere. Don't blame the businesses. Keep it about policy. I mean, individuals do this all the time. We hear all the time, Ben, about people who move around the country and and sort of, um, you know, lower tax states attracting more residents, higher tax states losing them.
0: Right. People just move where they think that they will be able to keep more of their money. And I don't see why it's any different for a company to do that either.
1: Yeah. Obviously, that's not the only variable. I mean, no. I think California gets away with a lot of their taxes and regulations because, hey, let's face it, California is a pretty, pretty. I mean, meteorologically speaking, California is a pretty wonderful place to live. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so it's... they, I think they could get. I mean, people are willing to put up with it because, you know, you you don't just taxes aren't the only variable in the equation when it comes to where you live. Exactly. But. but it is a variable and yep. it is something that matters. And if people make decisions along those lines, well, more power to them. You know, people should be allowed to make those decisions. I mean, that that sort of both internally, domestically, people moving among the states and sort of voting with their feet on the, on the various tax policies and regulatory policies, of the various states. You know, that's one of the powerful things that makes America great. And then America as, as a whole country. Allowing our businesses here like we make the policies, we make the laws, but we also allow businesses to react to those policies and laws. We don't treat them like subjects. Right? We don't we don't, you know, say, well, you you have to sit still for this, or else you're unpatriotic, you're un American. That was ridiculous. And again, it was ridiculous when the Obama administration was doing it, and it's ridiculous now that President Trump is doing it. And again, there's no getting around the fact that President Trump's announced tariffs on steel and aluminum have driven up dramatically the cost of steel and aluminum. That's reality. Right. That's we've a heard, tough.
0: We've heard from manufacturers in the fargo area on the show before about that.
1: Yeah, we've literally had emails. Yeah. We've had phone calls. I mean, it's it's hitting them.
0: Yeah. And, and that's,
1: that's a side effect of Trump's policies I feel like he has to address. And he doesn't get to cover it by, by questioning Harley Davidson's patriotism. He should have to deal with the side effect of that policy. Now, if he thinks it's worth the cost, fine. Let him make that argument. But don't attack Harley Davidson because of it. Anyway, what do you think? 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at wday.com to the extent that we're going to get any po- serious policy discussion out of a, a political rally. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to, to, you know, uh, look down my nose at president trump it's a political rally that is what it is a lot of times that's not the venue for serious right. political questions but to the extent what i would like to hear from him i'd like to hear him to address trade puts some people's mind at ease in this part of the country on trade that's what i would like to hear what would you like to hear 701-293-9000 888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com we'll be back right after this don't go away welcome back Rob report 970 am 93.1 FM the um well I, by the way I just got done you know kind of beating Trump up a little bit on uh on trade policy uh he had a big win today from the Supreme Court on his uh I, I don't know what do you some, some people call it a Muslim Muslim ban travel ban um the, the Muslim ban I thought was always a cheap shot I mean listen I, it is an unfortunate reality that we face a lot of national security threats that come from Muslim dominated countries. I wish that wasn't true. I wish our country wasn't facing these threats, but we are. That's reality on the ground. Islamic extremism, Islamic terrorism is a is a real problem in the world. President Trump's policy it was aimed at it, it was aimed at that problem. Calling it a Muslim ban was was unfair. Anyway, the Supreme Court upheld it. And uh, you know, it's it's worth noting. I sort of the key to to lower courts striking this down is that they were using some of President Trump's tweets and some of his past political statements as evidence that he was is basing this policy not on national security concerns but on some sort of bigotry towards Muslim. Um, and and to be sure, uh, President Trump. Um, you know has said some some certainly some inflammatory things about the muslim community but i think what the us supreme court decided um is that you know we're going to base this on the policy in front of us and not the political rhetoric which i think was the right way to do this uh, chief justice john roberts wrote in the opinion i quote we may consider plaintiffs extrinsic evidence but we will uphold the policy so long as it can be reasonably be understood to result from a justification independent of unconstitutional ground, which basically means that what Trump said as a candidate uh, matters less than what he did as president. In other words, the actual policy matters, not the political rhetoric, which I, I think is important, then. I mean, you know, the politics are what they are, but if it's a legal question, then we should, you know, the court should be basing their decision on what the law actually is, not the political rhetoric surrounding it. Yeah. That, to me, I think is their job. Um, Also, by by the way, I mean, the court made it clear, though, that they were not endorsing President Trump's um, words about Muslims. In fact, this is, again, from Chief Justice John Roberts. He writes... Uh, Plaintiffs argue that this president's words strike at fundamental standards of respect and tolerance in violation of our constitutional tradition. But the issue before us is not whether to denounce the statements. It is instead the significance of those statements in reviewing a presidential directive neutral on its face, addressing a matter within the core of executive responsibility. In doing so, we must consider not only the statements of a particular president, but also the authority of the presidency itself. Uh, basically, you know, they're not they're not endorsing what President Trump said on Twitter or anything else. What they're saying is that President Trump is implementing the policy. He is the president. He has the authority to implement the policy. Uh, and and the policy itself is uh, is is neutral. Whatever whatever President Trump may have said, his motivations for the policy, the policy itself was neutral. So um and by the way this is justin kennedy wrote this uh he wrote i quote an anxious world must know that our government remains committed to always to the liberties of the constitution to the liberties the constitution seeks to preserve and protect so that freedom extends outward and lasts so i anyway i thought it was a good ruling i think this is this is how the rulings are supposed to be they're not supposed to be based on political rhetoric they're supposed to be based on the law supreme court got it right. Uh, you know, and, and again, I mean it's it's been very weird to watch some of the courts. I mean, it, there's little question that this sort of a this sort of a, a a policy is squarely within the jurisdiction of the executive branch of government. I mean, there's just no question about it. Um, but I mean you, you, you see it in a lot of other I mean people it's almost like the courts are questioning because President Trump is such a, a volatile figure. There, you know, it's almost like the courts are questioning his authority to make these decisions, despite the fact that he's elected president of the United States. You know, we saw the same thing with the uh, uh, the, the DACA situation, the Dreamer situation, where President Trump tried to issue executive orders to roll to to modify and roll back some of what uh, President Trump remember the DACA program for, for for the the Dreamers, the the children of illegal immigrants born in the United States. Um, what President Trump did there is basically uh, addressed a program that was created by executive order in the Obama administration and president Trump's efforts in that regard have, have in some ways been thwarted by the courts. And, and I don't understand it. How can, how can it be unconstitutional or illegal for one president to roll back or, or modify something put in place by a previous president, right? That, that's like saying that this Congress, currently dominated by republicans can pass a law that then cannot be changed by a subsequent democratic congress that's absurd that's not how things work policies can change right if 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 americans elect a different style of leadership they are allowed to go back and change the policies of previous leadership that's okay i mean that's democracy that's not things change for crying out, I mean, there's there's a lot of terrible policies. I'm glad that we've been able to get off our books.
0: The government is allowed to change laws over time, basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, like in North Dakota, like at one point, our legislature made it illegal for for people of the of the same sex to to cohabitate. Or excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, people of of different sexes to to cohabitate without being married. Like it was it was illegal in the state of North Dakota up until. By the way, not so long ago, it was like the early 2000s. We finally got rid of this law. But that was the law of the land. It was you could not uh, okay. cohabitate with a female if, unless you were married or, or vice versa. For if you're female, you can cohabitate with a male unless you were married. Um, now, we took that law off the books as well. We should have, you know, so laws could change over time. So I'm, I'm glad the I feel like the Supreme Court got this one right. Uh, and the uh, the so-called travel ban, um, you know, he, he's allowed to do this. I mean, listen, elections have consequences. You elect people; they're allowed to govern. You know, and I—I I felt this way. I was critical of conservatives during the Obama administration that wanted to gum up the works. I mean, at some point, it's one thing to oppose the policy; it's one thing to have the debate and everything. But at the end of the day, if the country elects a Barack Obama, Barack Obama's allowed to govern. If the country elects Donald Trump, Donald Trump's allowed to govern. It's the way it works. More to come straight ahead, 701-293-9000, 888 970 9329 Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. So go away. Welcome back, Rob Report 970 WDY AM ninety three point one FM. Ben, I think I think Byron Dorgan needs to shut up already.
0: Who? <laughs> I I'm serious here.
1: For, former US Senator Byron Dorgan from North Dakota. Okay.
0: He was our senator till till uh, two thousand ten. I'm still getting versed on North Dakota politics.
1: All right, yeah. yeah. Well, Byron Byron is a longtime longtime senator. He was a senator, and before that, he was a member of Congress, and before that, was tax commissioner, I think. Anyway, um, long time, long time politician. He he uh, he resigned rather than run for re-election in two thousand ten, and um, John Hovind now currently holds that seat. Um, but Byron Dorgan, uh, lately he's been out, he's been campaigning for Senator Heidi Heitkamp, but he also had this, uh, column for real clear politics. Uh, the headline is Democrats must show up to win back Heartland voters. That's the headline over the, over the column. Here's a, here's a quote from it. Uh, nearly one third of the Democrats now serving in the United States house of representatives come from just two States, California and New York. Startling, isn't it? Good for California and New York. But that statistic also describes that the Democratic Party has become a largely bi-coastal entity and has consciously abandoned much of the heartland. While the, quote, blue coastal states have been very successful elected Democrats, much of the heartland of America has been dismissed as, quote, flyover country, which has helped turn them into Republican red states. As a consequence, they have been largely ignored by our national party and Democrat presidential contenders uh Dorgan continues he goes the collapse of support in local legislative races and races for governorships in America's heartland should sound the alarm uh in the past decade my party lost over 1000 legislative seats 9 US Senate seats 62 house seats and 12 governorships now that is certainly some ugly math for uh, for our our liberal friends uh, I'm not surprised that Dorgan is worried about it, given that he pretty much wants Senator Heidi Heitkamp to win. He doesn't want her to to add uh, to those totals. Um, now, according to Dorgan, the problem is a lack of attention liberal politicians are, are paying to, to fly over country, right? Would you agree that that's sort of his thesis, Ben? I would, yes. His thesis is we're we're not – Democrats are not paying enough attention here. Now, I, I disagree with that thesis, But it's sort of beside the point of my rant here. I disagree with that thesis. I don't think the problem is that Democrats aren't spending enough time here. I think the problem is they have a platform of policy ideas that are fundamentally detrimental to our part of the country. You know, they make the oil industry, they make the coal industry, and to a lesser extent they make production agriculture, that industry, uh, they make them out to be villains. And I'm sorry, but those... Those uh, industries directly employ a lot of North Dakotans. They are vital to our economic interests here. And then we could get into a lot of questions about, you know, the social wars, you know, culture wars, and all that. But I mean, just just fundamentally, Democrats support policies that are not good for places like North Dakota. That's just full stop. That's just reality. And I think that's that's why they have they struggle to get people elected in our part of the world. I don't think it's that Democrats aren't paying enough attention here. I think it's that Democrats don't stand for ideas that North Dakotans want. But beside the point, I mean, I, I and, and again, I, I don't think it's that, you know, Democrats aren't aren't spending enough time wooing the rubes of, of flyover country. Um, I think it's that they stand for things that we don't want. But stipulating for a moment to the idea that Byron Dorgan is right, that it's that Democrats have are, are become this sort of, you know, bi-coastal party, and and they mostly just represent you know these these urban coastal enclaves. I feel like he's part of the problem. Turning back the clock to 2010, during the last years of his terms in office, Ben Dorgan claimed at his as his official residence in North Dakota. The uh, the 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 residence that he had to to claim to comply with North Dakota's very loose residency laws. Uh, A tiny apartment in a building in Bismarck owned by his colleague, former Senator Kent Conrad, who, by the way, also had an apartment across the hall. Uh, If you want to see a picture of the building, I've actually got one up at AnythingBlog.com, including a picture of the mailbox with Senator Dorgan's uh, name on it, as it appeared circa, you know, roughly, what, I think 2009, 2010, towards the end of his term. Um so, I mean, here, here you have Byron Dorgan say, well, the problem is, is that Democrats have, have abandoned the heartland, right? The problem is, is that Democrats, you know, they don't visit the heartland enough. They're, they're out here. They're not paying enough attention to the heartland. This is a guy who didn't live in the heartland when he represented a state that's in the heartland. Byron Dorgan moved out of North Dakota while he was still a U.S. Senator representing North Dakota in Congress. While he had this apartment, this this tiny apartment in a dumpy building in Bismarck, which by the way, Kent Conrad financed with a VIP loan he got from Countrywide Mortgage. Yes, that Countrywide Mortgage of subprime mortgage fame, uh, you know the one that all the senators got to negotiate their sweetheart loans with with the CEO. Yeah, that one. Kent Conrad financed the apartment building uh, that way. I, in fact, I think he owned two apartment buildings. He financed that way. Anyway, um. While Conrad and Dorgan were claiming as their official residences these apartment in Bismarck, uh, Kent Conrad was living in a $3.1 million Delaware beach house. Byron Dorgan was living in, I think it was a more than $2 million mansion in McLean, Virginia. It's a lovely place, Ben. Home and Design Magazine actually did an article about it in 2013. It's very nice. How
0: did they get away with that?
1: Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know why the media – I mean, it was – technically, I think I'm not accusing them of doing anything illegal here. I, Technically, I think everything that they did was legal. North Dakota has very loose residency laws. They rented an apartment. They said that that was their residence, full stop. I think most of us probably understand that the senators were spending a lot more time in their respective Virginia and Delaware mansions than they were in these apartments across the hall from each other in Bismarck. I I don't I don't know for sure, but I would hazard a guess that even when these guys were in Bismarck, they probably stayed in a hotel because why wouldn't they? They're United States senators. So, I mean, this this was reality. I mean, this is I mean, Byron Dorgan is telling us, right? He's out there. He's on the campaign trail. He's writing op eds for Heidi Heitkamp. You know, he's saying, oh, we got to elect Heidi Heitkamp. He's simultaneously lecturing his party. Oh, you've abandoned the heartland. You got to spend more time in the heartland. You got to spend more attention to the people living out in the heartland. Meanwhile, he moved away from the heartland
0: while he was still in the United States Senate. So where's he at now is what I'm wondering. Is he oh live in north dakota now no
1: or? he does okay. not live in north dakota now to the bet to the best of my knowledge he's still a resident of mclean virginia okay as a matter of fact i remember it wasn't this election cycle but it was a couple of election cycles ago um dorgan wrote a letter to the editor of one of the newspapers and you know how the newspapers always put like like the author and then yep. like where the author's from down at the bottom mm-hmm. you know like like this is from this is from dave smith and moorhead or whatever right they do that uh it was it was this is byron dorgan mclean virginia <laughs> Oof-ta. <laughs> oh, Oof-ta. I, yeah. Yeah. No, they got away with this for years. They got away with this for years. And it just I, I don't understand how you could possibly be that tone deaf. And again, we can have a debate about the thesis of of Dorgan's column. Right. I, I think he's absolutely right. I think Democrats do have a problem. In the heartland. I think Democrats do have a problem in North Dakota. We look we look I mean, there has not been a Democrat to win a statewide election in North Dakota since Earl Pomeroy was reelected to the United States House in 2008. That's reality. I mean, in in the 2016 election cycle, not a single statewide Democratic candidate, including their presidential candidate, Hillary Clinton, got more than 30 percent of the vote. Not one of them. They were all down in the 20 percent of the vote range. They lost ground. I think they lost something like what was it like nine houses, nine seats in the state house? Something like they that. They lost yeah. seats in the state senate. I mean, they lost ground across the board. Mm-hmm. They got slaughtered, and and it was it was a slaughtering even in the context of you know their their overall um, you know marginalization in statewide office. This is the problem that they've had for years. So yes, I agree. Democrats have a problem, and maybe part of the problem is that you know. People like Byron Dorgan, who claim to know what's going on in, 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 the heart, in the heartland of America, don't. I mean, maybe it's no wonder that Democrats support policies that are so harmful to this part of the world, right? So harmful to North Dakota, so harmful to our industry here, so harmful to our culture, our way of making a, a life for ourselves. They're not from here, right? Byron Dorgan hasn't been from North Dakota in a long time. He hasn't been from North Dakota even when he was a North Dakota senator.
0: Well, and going back to the thesis um, you talked about of how he argues that it's because enough attention hasn't been paid and then yours that it's because they are passing policy that is not beneficial to people from this reason. I think it's probably just a combination of both. I think they fe- the reason people feel like they're ignored or he thinks people feel like they're ignored is because they feel like they are because, again, they're not passing policy that benefits people from, you know, North Dakota, yeah. Minnesota.
1: Well, look at the problem the Democrats have, though. Like how do they how do they reconcile a a political plat like a national partisan platform right a platform of ideas of priorities of policies how do they reconcile one that appeals both to a voter in uh, Hazen North Dakota and somebody who lives in downtown Los Angeles or downtown New York how do you do that I mean those are those are just fundamentally different worldviews. Right. I'm not sure you can. Right. Oh, which, which is generally, by the way, my argument in favor of just limiting the amount of stuff that the federal government does. Right. Let's roll the federal government back, do a lot less uh, and leave more of those policy questions up to states. So now it's, it's California having to reconcile, you know, the differences between downtown L.A. and, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, rancho cucamonga right i mean i don't
0: I, I have no idea what i'm saying is rancho uh,
1: cucamonga a thing is i that a thing? don't know it.
0: i will check but i i've <laughs> yes, never heard yes. of that before fact check
1: me i don't want to be perpetrating fake news about california communities
0: um yeah so
1: i mean that's i i would rather do that i mean to me that's that's the better path forward i mean you want to talk about the polarization of america and the culture wars and everything how about we just de-arm you know end the arms race of federal government and uh, push a lot of these policy questions back to the states. California could generally govern itself as Californians want, and North Dakota could generally govern itself as North Dakotans want. Uh, And if you want to live in California, you can live there, and if you want to live in North Dakota, you can live here, uh, and that'd be great for everybody. I know we've got this human instinct to impose our will on everybody else, but end of the the rant, uh, Byron Dorgan's a giant hippie. (laughs) <laughs> okay is rancho cucamonga a thing ben did you figure it out it is
0: a thing yes it, it is, is a thing. suburban city in california suburban city in california
1: i don't know what the thing about rancho cucamonga other than i like the name but it is a place it's a fun it's a fun place to say very fun to say where rancho. are you from rancho cucamonga it sounds like it should be an amusement park
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah like i feel like their mayor should be inaugurated by going down a water slide or something that sounds like a That'd lot be of fun, fun. More to come straight ahead. This is the Rob Report. Nine seventy WDAY AM ninety three point one FM. Don't go away. I'm being chided. I, I wrote about the Byron Dorgan thing on the blog sayanythingblog.com, and I'm being chided because my everybody's talking about civility right now, and my my headline, which was "Oh shut up Byron Dorgan," was not civil enough. Um, I listen. I mean, <laughs> granted, I, I I'll I'll uh, I'll cop to it being provocative, but I mean. In the context of what we're going on now, if that's your if that crosses your threshold for un- incivility, um, you know, I I don't know how to help you. Uh, and, oh, and by the way, speaking about civility, is it? It's funny how these cycles work, right? Because right now, I mean, we, we've obviously had some ugly things happen with with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. We had the Department of Homeland Security secretary. Uh, we had the Attorney General in, in Florida. I mean, a year ago, we had people taking pot shots at Republicans on a baseball field. Um. So this is I mean, this is this is a lot a lot going on, and all of a sudden everybody's talking about civility. Uh, I remember the Obama administration lecturing us all about civility too, right? Back when uh, I think it was right around the times Representative uh, Giffords was yep. shot by a man who was, by the way, who was motivated by severe mental illness that really had nothing at all to do with politics. In all his writings and rantings, nobody could find a coherent political uh you know that he was inspired by anybody but that didn't stop the obama administration from you know trying to blame it on like the tea party at sarah palin they were the problem listen if you get to, I, the, the one thing i do worry about is is if we reach to a point where uh you know you're you're treating the other side as villain right you're treating the other side as as nazis or, or the enemy or whatever then i think we've got a problem because if you've defined somebody as being a nazi or a villain or a, or a monster or a horrible person then that justifies things that I think are not necessarily justified. Uh, me telling Byron Dorgan to shut up because he's being a hypocrite, I don't think crosses that crosses that line. But hey, teach their own. Hey, he should shut up, though, because he's being a hypocrite. 701 293 9000 888 970 9329. Email talk at wday.com. I never understood why that whole story about the two senators living across the hall from. I mean, to me, that's national news, Ben um maybe like if like if you learned that i mean it would be a funny story i think like if you learned that two united states senators who, who have mansions on the east coast were claiming as their official
0: residences apartments well it would definitely be you'd think for fargo it would be a leading news story throughout the state but yeah, yeah. That's, i think that, it'd be national news i mean i
1: think a lot of people be laughing at that
0: like bizarre, it was never the least
1: it was never even local news i wrote about it and uh and actually uh uh, a guy who ran, uh, and I don't even know what the blog the the posts are still up. Is Mark Mandan blog? He wrote about it as well, you know. So we had some we had some blog coverage, but I don't know. I I mean, I thought that was I always thought that was a bigger story, and and all and also even now and again, I I don't think, you know, with with President Trump, and we're going to be talking with Laura Trump uh, in the next segment about President Trump's visit to Fargo coming up. Um, I think the reason why President Trump, obviously, the reason why President Trump was successful is that he spoke to people in our part of the world he's not from here right i mean donald trump's not from north dakota donald trump's from a place that's about as far from north dakota as you can get he's a new york guy
0: right, right? And, new, and new york city well and regardless of what you think of him actually falling through on helping those people you have to agree he at least you know tried to appeal to them and has tried to one way or another try to right. help them oh yeah. sure
1: yeah, we can have a yeah. debate about the policy. As a matter of fact, we started off the program talking about that. His right. trade policies, right. I think, in a lot of ways, are not very good for this part of the but country. But to a lot of people, at least,
0: the effort was there on his part to. But that was his,
1: his that. Yeah, that was that's how he campaigned. He spoke. He exactly. said things. He did things that resonated with people in this part of the world. And you know, the the, the fact that it's so incensed Democrats, you know, speaks to that that divide that. That Dorgan's perceiving. Now, again, I, I don't I don't know that that's fixed. I don't know that that's fixed by Hillary Clinton, you know, paying a visit to North Dakota. You know, I don't, I don't think that that's fixed by more national politicians, you know, paying visits to North Dakota. I think that's fixed by Democrats changing their policies. You know, I, I think there's plenty of room to disagree with the way things Republicans are doing things um and, and and to maybe even stay consistent with liberal principles while maybe eschewing some of the things that democrats stand for now you know the the party has moved too far to the left i think america generally is a center-right nation uh and um you know i i, I think democrats uh are, are too too far to the right or excuse me that too far to the right geez too far to the left excuse me uh somebody's reminding me here too teddy roosevelt we love here in North Dakota. Who we talk about in North Dakota all the time. I mean, we use them in our travel, our marketing, everything. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, probably, probably North Dakota's favorite president, right? I mean, if, if a state can have a favorite president of all time, I think Teddy Roosevelt would probably have to be it for North Dakota. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, also a New Yorker. I don't, I don't think you have to be from, you know, be have to live in North Dakota, have to visit here a whole bunch in order to get it. No, right. Um, you know, I, I think Teddy Roosevelt, I mean, to the extent, I mean, his politics are so, so long ago, I think it's hard to find a lot of parallels with, with modern politics, but, you know, to the extent that he got it, he got it. I think, I think Donald Trump taps into something that, uh, rural Americans wanted to hear, wanted to see, you know, so I, I, again, and I I think a lot of that has to do with policy. Now, Trump, you know, Trump, we, we can have a debate about the bridge between Trump's uh, the, the the rocky bridge, the bridge full of holes, full of potholes, between Trump's campaign rhetoric and, and the reality of Trump's policies, there are a lot of problems there. But there's no question that Trump, at least rhetorically, supported policies, supported initiatives, supported uh, philosophies that North Dakotans wanted, that rural Americans wanted. You know, and th- and that's going to be the problem. The, the problem is not is not emissaries. From the coastal enclaves and the urban enclaves, emissaries to come out here and pitch woo to the Rubes. That's not the solution, Byron Dorgan. Anyway, uh more to come straight ahead. This is the Rob Report. Laura Trump coming up on the program next. We'll uh that'll be fun. We'll get uh we'll get we'll get her insights on her father in law's visit to Fargo coming up tomorrow. This is the Rob Report, nine seventy W D Y AM ninety three point one FM no go away. Welcome back, Rob. Report 970, WDAY-AM 93.1 FM. So tomorrow, President Donald Trump visiting Fargo. Here to talk with me about it is Trump family member Laura Trump. Laura, how are you doing? Welcome. Thanks for your time today.
2: Hey, Rob. It's great to be on with you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so President Trump's coming to, uh, to North Dakota. We all know that there is a, a very high-profile United States Senate race here. And in, in recent weeks, um, Senator Heitkamp, uh, the, the Democratic candidate in the House, of course, has has taken to, to very closely aligning herself with President Trump. And I'll tell you, Laura, it's been a little bit surreal to watch because Senator Heitkamp's political – I mean, not only was she herself a, a sort of full-throated uh, advocate of of uh, Hillary Clinton's candidacy back in 2016, but her her state political party, North Dakota Democratic Party, was calling um, – then-candidate Trump called him vile called him unfit for office, but now in 2018, Senator Heitkamp is saying, oh, no, I'm, I'm a Trump ally. In fact, she's running ads now saying, you know, look, I, I vote with him most of the time. What do you think prompts that, that turnaround, Laura?
2: Oh, my gosh. Well, isn't it obvious? I mean, the, the reality is people are figuring out in this country, and by people I mean politicians are figuring out, that what we saw happen in 2016 was the American people taking their country back. They were sick and tired of politicians saying one thing, getting to Washington, D.C., and doing another thing. And I think they're finding that Donald Trump has done incredible things for this country, and I think a lot more people want to be aligned with him. It's a very smart move, quite frankly, on her part to do that, and you you see it time and time again. You know, you had a lot of people who were never Trumpers in, in the, uh, the primaries during the 2016 election who figured out that, There was something to this guy, to Donald Trump, and and came on board. And and listen, I I think it's a really smart move on her part. I think anybody who wants to get on the Trump train, it's never too late. So uh, I, I think that's why you see that sort of thing happening.
1: But, I mean, meanwhile, she, she's campaigning against Kevin Kramer. I mean, I, I think, I think voters are feeling a little bit of whiplash, though. I mean, you're seeing it as getting on the Trump train, and that's certainly true. Uh, but, you know, from another perspective, we have a candidate in Republican, uh, Kevin Kramer, who is saying, listen, I've, I was, I endorsed President Trump in the early state. In fact, I think, I think Congressman Kramer was one of the first members of Congress to endorse President Trump's campaign. I remember when he announced it at the NDGOP uh, state convention in March of uh, of 2016 uh i was on hand when he did it so i mean that that's the choice north dakotans have is between senator heitkamp oh, yeah. and congressman kramer for the united states senate
2: right well i think you're going to see that that kramer is is definitely who the president would like in that space i mean the reality is if people are happy with the way the country's been going, if they're they're happy with the job that the president has done so far, we have to keep the majority in the House. I think we could possibly pick a f- up a few seats in the Senate. And I think the message that people in North Dakota are going to hear from the president tomorrow is just that, which is that we need to keep Republicans and who support, 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 support country. And, you know, that that's something that's really, really crucial for these midterms.
1: Yeah, for sure. We had a little bit of technical difficulty there with uh, your connection. But I, I think what you're saying is President Trump's going to come here and say, listen, we need to elect uh more Republicans. And I and I think that's really the point. I mean, Senator Heitkamp could say, well, I, I vote with President Trump most of the time. Uh, and she's right. Uh, among a Democratic caucus that largely hates the president. Uh, she's probably one of the, 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 you know, the the most uh, uh, most friendly to, to the president. Uh, but but also, I mean, we're talking about the, the least friendly Republican in the Senate still votes with him, you know, 75 percent of the time, according to vote ratings. Uh, and also, I mean, if, if if that's important in North Dakotans and clearly the high camp campaign thinks it is because it, they're including her votes with Trump record in all their campaign messaging. Um, that's obviously invo- important in North Dakotans, And, you know, I, I think the message President Trump's probably going to deliver is, you know, if you want somebody who's going to support my agenda, vote for a Republican.
2: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Um, we, we have to keep the majority in the House and the Senate. And, and that's exactly what you're going to hear from the president when he comes to Fargo. And I know he's so excited to visit everybody there. So um, really want to encourage everybody to come out to the rally. If you haven't been to a Trump rally, it's unlike anything you'll ever experience. It's a great, great thing to go go to, to bring your family, bring your kids. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime type thing. So uh, I know he's very excited to be there uh, tomorrow night with everybody.
1: Laura, one thing, especially in this part of the country, and we're hearing the the Democratic campaigns flog this a little bit, a lot of people concerned about the, the trade questions. Um, you know, particularly, uh, you know, North Dakota is a, a big export state. I mean, whether it's ag products, um, most recently crude oil, we can now export out of the country. Uh, America, I mean, North Dakota, most of what we produce here doesn't stay in North Dakota. We export it far and wide. Um, Democrats are playing up the idea that that President Trump's trade policies are going to be detrimental to industry here in North Dakota. What what I mean, what, what do we say about that? What do, what do you have to say about that?
2: Well, the Democrats also lied when it came to the tax cuts. They said that it would be crumbs, that it wouldn't matter to the American people. And you look at what's, what you've seen happening across the country when it comes to those. I think it's fair to say they were absolutely wrong about that. They said that this president was going to start World War III uh, when he talked about sitting down with Kim Jong-un, and yet we have never been closer to a denuclearized Korean peninsula than we are right now. No so different than, than trade. This is a a, a president— by the way, who don't forget was a businessman for his entire life. If there's anyone that understands the way to negotiate, that understands trade and and tariffs and all those sorts of things, it's Donald Trump. And, you know, while we have to to wait it out, I think initially here with the Chinese, with Mexico, with Canada, um, you know, people don't want to lose the connection that they have with the United States around the world. And, I really do think that we're going to see something good happen here. And and this is a president, again, who has always said it's about free, fair, and reciprocal trade. And that's all he wants. He wants a fair playing ground for the entire country and for North Dakotans in particular.
1: So somebody who uh, – because one, one thing, especially when we were talking about the administration, we announced tariffs on imported aluminum and steel from places like Canada, Mexico, the European Union – what I heard from, from people who run manufacturing businesses in our part of the world is: Listen, this is driving up the cost of steel. This is driving up the cost of aluminum. I think in the national headlines today we have Harley Davidson. Now, granted, their their move uh, was planned long before any of these policies went into place, but they're saying uh, uh, that it's it's going to be even a, a bigger move because you know it's driving up the cost of, of their manufacturing. The, the message for for those people is is waited out.
2: Well, I really think that, uh, you know, initially, obviously, you have to get everybody to the negotiating table. You have to make sure that things are done properly, done the right way. But I think the long term for this country, and that's what I think this president is focused on, we're going to see a, a really failed, fair deal come out of this, something that should have happened many, many years ago. I have every confidence that if anyone can get something done when it comes to trade uh, for the United States, it is Donald Trump. There's no doubt about it.
1: Now, the, the Trump campaign is, is definitely a family affair. I mean, we look at it, uh, we see the President Trump's children, your, your husband, of course, uh, and, and you yourself, a lot of everybody involved. I mean, t- tell us what's that, that that's like to be running. I'm, I'm not sure we've seen, I mean, certainly in the past we've seen, um, you know, sort of national campaigns include family members. That's not unusual. I'm not sure we've ever seen it to this degree a little bit. Can you give us, I mean, what's that like behind the curtain?
2: Well, we've never said we were conventional uh, with anything. I think that's fair to say for the campaign in 2016. You know, it was very much a family affair. Loyalty and trust is something that's very important to this president. And and if there's anyone he knows he can trust, it's his family. And, um, you know, right now I'm I'm still working with the campaign every day. We put on all the rallies. We're putting on the rally tomorrow night there in Fargo. And um, listen, I think it worked really, really well. If there's you know any group of people that can get out there and speak about a person it's their family and no different than than what you saw during the campaign in 2016 i think you're going to see us all out on the road again in 2020 really wanting to support the president want to make sure that he gets reelected um but you know it's i know that it's it's unconventional but this is an unconventional president you know nothing that uh, has to apply as it always has to, to this man. And I think there's something really refreshing about that. And, you know, I think that that's something that people really appreciated about him when he was a candidate. And one of the reasons maybe that they, they wanted to give him a chance. Well,
1: last question. Cause I, I know you're on a time constraint uh what 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 about these rallies so specifically because i think you're right i think these rallies that the president holds are probably one of the most effective tools uh, in, in his toolbox when it comes to politics what is it about these rallies that makes them so effective laura
2: well first of all i i think that the energy and enthusiasm around these rallies is unlike anything that i've personally ever experienced and Although, um, you know, you expected during a year where there is a presidential campaign in a midterm year, we are still seeing the same enthusiasm, if not more for this president. You know, last week we were in Minnesota and in Duluth. I mean, we got half the crowd that was outside inside and literally there were like 8000 people that were outside. It was unbelievable. And I think it speaks to, you know, the direction that this country is moving, the fact that people are very happy now. To have someone in office who has kept his promises, who has done what he said he was going to do. This is a president, by the way, Rob, that if you want to think about accomplishments, every 36 hours, this is a president that is having another accomplishment. I mean, he has 340 some accomplishments right now. We're 500 and some odd days into his presidency. But I think the most important thing as it relates to the president when it comes to these rallies is the fact that he can speak directly to the people. There's no media filter They carry the rallies live. He gets to talk directly to the American people, directly to the people there live in Fargo or wherever he is and, and talk to them about what's happening in their country. Because again, you know, there, we use the term fake news a lot, but there's a lot of truth to that. And I think the most effective thing for him and the thing that he really loves about it is that he can take his message straight to the people, talk directly to him. There's no media bias. There's no media filter and, You know, honestly, he leaves these rallies so energized and so enthusiastic and and even more ready to dive back into the swamp in Washington, D.C. and keep fighting even harder for the American people. So it's just a great event all around. He loves it. The people who who come out to support him love it. And, again, I just encourage everybody to to come out and, and join us tomorrow in Fargo.
1: Laura, uh, I know that, and the president likes to assign nicknames to to people sometimes. Uh, and is is Senator Camp going to get a nickname? Can you give us a preview? Or
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, if I knew that, I would be a genius. He yeah. he's the mastermind behind all that. Um, all right. Well, we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. But you, we'll just all have to stay tuned, I guess.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, Laura Trump, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's uh, Laura Trump, of course. Uh, this is the Rob Report, nine seventy WDAY AM ninety three point one FM. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, nine seventy WDAY AM ninety three point one FM seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine Email talk at wday dot com. I am I am I am wondering what sort of a what sort of a, what a nickname Senator Heikamp might get. You know he's going to do on that.
0: You one gonna, bad. You really think he's going to give her one?
1: I think I think he might.
0: Okay. What I don't what, know. what are
1: the what Republicans have had? The North Carolina Republican Party's come out with a couple. I, I usually it's uh, hiding Heidi. I think right because usually uh, you want to go like like alliterative. I think is usually
0: works. Alliteration is what sticks in people's minds. Right. Yeah. So
1: hiding Heidi. We also had the high five Heidi thing. Right. Where she high five Chuck Schumer. Oh yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Remember
1: remember the, the Pulitzer Prize winners at Politifact ruled that that wasn't uh that wasn't a high five though. Wait. How... That was a. Well, they they said that it was a it was a slow motion um hand grasp or something like that they had something slow motion okay. hand grasp my my rebuttal to that was that's just how old white people high-five but <laughs> well
0: I, I, I won't you know, disagree with you on that one you so, no. uh,
1: email emailer has a message about I was I was kind of ranting about Byron Dorgan in, in the last hour and uh, he had he had an op-ed basically arguing that that Democrats have lost ground in the heartland because they aren't paying enough attention to us. Um, I'd pointed out that Byron Dorgan moved out of North Dakota while he was still a senator from North Dakota. Um, but anyway, Mark uh, emails, he goes, Rob, you know, I find it just as funny and hypocritical of these two of those two claiming to be North Dakota, and North Dakota values. What I also find funny is what someone like Tom Brokaw um Oh, and when he says those two, he's talking about uh, former senators uh, Byron Dorgan and Conrad. Uh, he continues. What I also find funny is when someone like Tom Brokaw tries to connect with the Heartland. It tells us he was born in South Dakota. Thomas lived outside of the Heartland longer than he lived in it. Yeah. You know what? You know what I think is what I think is um, fun, Ben, is when we get like a we have some national story going on, like when we had with the oil boom or the Dakota access pipeline protest, or right now our Senate race is getting a lot of national attention. So all these national media reporters like, like parachute in. And when they try to do like kind of the local flavor stories, right? Like the scene on the ground. And it's always got this tone of like, like they're on like a, they're on like an expedition to the heart of darkness. It's it's kind of like, Oh, how quaint this all look at, look at how, look at how the aborigines live out here in flyover country, right? Like, how quaint. Yeah. I mean, could you be more patronizing? My goodness. Another emailer from uh, Mona. Uh, she goes, uh, what's the deal with the lawsuit filed against Kevin Kramer today? I don't know. There was a lawsuit against Kevin Kramer?
0: Um, I don't know about a lawsuit, but I know um, Dave Thomas and Mike McFeely were talking about um, his campaign on Mike's show today. I, what did they it? have to say about it? Um, something about campaign finance. I was more focused on like trying to find stories for the news hour at that time. I see.
1: I I wouldn't. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Dave Thompson is the North Dakota Democratic Attorney General candidate. He files a lot of lawsuits. Um, they're usually not very successful. Usually they're timed with political cycles, and it's it's something Democrats like to do. And I, and again, I'm I'm saying this. I don't really. If that's what it is, if that's what you're emailing about, Mona. And I don't I don't know anything about a, a lawsuit being filed against kevin kramer if there is one i I will tell you that it's it's a it's a not unusual tactic that democrats like to pull during election years i remember when kevin kramer was um was a member of the public service commission they uh uh, there was uh, some some left-wing groups filed a a lawsuit against him alleging that it was illegal that he took uh he took campaign contributions from individuals who work in the coal industry uh, and of course, part of the Public Service Commission's mission is that they regulate the surface surface mining in North Dakota through a through a federal program. Uh, so they alleged that it was illegal. A federal judge found that it was not illegal. That federal judge also editorialized that he didn't think it was he didn't think it was good, uh, but he also noted that it was legal. Which fine judge, I understand that you have that opinion, but the point is it's legal, and I think it should be legal if if that's the sort of thing they're going to bring up. Um, You know, Democrats have been banging that drum for a long time. It's never gotten any traction before. It doesn't surprise me that they're banging it again. They like to trot it out in election years. And, and they like to file lawsuits in election years that, by the way, aren't settled until after the election is over, right? I mean, that's always a handy political trick. You file the lawsuit, you get the headlines, and then the lawsuit is quietly basically fails, falls flat on its face after the election year. That's usually what happens. So it wouldn't be surprised me if they're trying that again. Um it's not an unusual tactic. It usually doesn't have any merit. Okay. Trust me. If there was anything that ugly about Kevin Kramer, Kevin Kramer's background, uh, th- they would they would haul it out. They would have hauled it out. So the other thing, the only other thing I can think of, they've been complaining about with with campaign financing is the Democrats have been ranting endlessly that Kramer employs his wife uh, as a as a campaign manager. It's, I, mean, I he, think he does. that was it that oh, they were that talking about uh,
0: his family being involved in the campaign.
1: All right. So what? You know, I I don't. I don't see. By the way, uh, Heidi Heitkamp has paid members of her family for services rendered to her campaign. You know, if that's such a terrible thing, I don't. I don't understand what the big deal is, right? I mean, and the thing is, I think they also rant about Kevin Kramer like paying himself out of his campaign. Uh, He reimburses himself for things like mileage, things he buys for campaign events. Like he's done that in the past. He has out-of-pocket expenses. He gets reimbursed. That's not. Unusual. Now, Senator Heitkamp does it differently. I think she just charges the stuff directly to the campaign. It's two ways of accomplishing the same thing. Senator Heitkamp's not doing anything differently other than her bookkeeping. So I I don't know. It's it's just we're we're at that time of year where it's anything that you can drag out and get all drippy about, um, you know, just to, to serve as a distraction. And and again, I mean, if if you look back. Um, my print column for Sunday was that Senator Heitkamp wins elections. Right, the strategy is very important to her because she wins elections by inspiring the public to hate her political opponents. You know, that's it. So I mean, they can't they can't win on on policy, right? They they can't win on a on a on on philosophy, and so they have to win by making the other side appear to be monsters. Uh, emailer says. Um, Joshua asks, is David Thompson's record of winning lawsuits he's filed better or worse than Wayne Stenjum's uh, record of winning lawsuits that cost taxpayers money? Uh, Josh even put smirk in parentheses here. I saw here. that, yeah. Just, just, to, just, to, just to get through to us that he's being a little bit smug. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, David Thompson's a little bit – I mean, he he's the guy – they were trying to indict Governor Dalrymple for bribery. Uh, or, or excuse me, they were trying to convene – a grand jury. I think there's some there's some weird part of North Dakota law that allows you to basically petition, um, petition the voters to impanel a grand jury to consider an indictment against against somebody. Um, that's in state law. It's kind of a weird thing. It's not a usual thing. I think it's I think it's a little bit anachronistic at this point. But anyway, they were trying to do it because they were suggesting that that um, you know Jack Downripple was was being bribed by the oil industry, right? I mean, which is which is a funny thing because Heidi Hike, I mean, she claims that her campaign ads. I mean, Democrats are, oh, we're not anti-oil. We love oil. But, but they sure don't, in their rhetoric, they sure don't mind treating the oil industry like they're villains. So, it's kind of weird. By the way, speaking about ethics, we're going to have uh, John Pudner on about this, uh, this ethics ballot measure put on by the North Dakotans for Public Integrity, who represent themselves as a bipartisan group, even though their initiative here in North Dakota is mostly fueled by left-wing money. I don't know if you have a lot of integrity doing that. But anyway, John Putner is going to join me next. We're going to talk about it here on the Rob Report, 970 WDYAM, 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report, 970 WDYAM, 93.1 FM, 701 293 9329 Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, so on the statewide ballot, um, it's, it's not been officially approved, but I think it will be. Uh, they've turned in their signature, certainly. Um, or maybe have. Did I miss? Did the Secretary of State approve the signatures? I can't remember.
0: Uh, I'm not sure. I, I guess I don't know. I don't know.
1: It's it's going to be on the ballot. We'll put it that way. Um, it's going to be on the statewide ballot. Uh, it's the I, I guess they're calling it the anti-corruption measure. Um, it's put on it's being put out by a group calling themselves North Dakotans for Public Integrity. Uh, they contacted me and my guest, John Putner, uh, who held a couple of rallies for this effort in Bismarck and Fargo uh, over the last few days is um is is on the program with me now to talk about the ballot measure john pudner uh he is the executive director of take back our republic mr pudner how are you
3: thank you rob thanks for having me doing great
1: yeah thanks for having having you on uh why why does north dakota need this this measure
3: well, this is the kind of measure we thought of when we started Take Back Our Republic in 2014. I was coming off uh, uh, defeating Eric Cantor, for, who was about to become the Speaker and replace Boehner. And what became the Drain the Swamp theme of you know, lobbyists going revolving door, you know, in and out of government, you know, uh, transactional giving where people are bidding on government contracts and putting money in. And certainly that culminated when you saw, you know, Hillary Clinton at one point had raised $220 million from from hedge funds and Trump got 19,000. And we wanted to really look at this state by state. We, you know, are looking, did some polling, have set up state chapters everywhere i'd set up you know conservative organizations around the uh, country for going back to bush 2000 and this is one of the things that's bubbling up That just these concerns about money buying the government um you know are are something we should all be addressing i think it's what you know gave real credence to the drain the swamp message at the close of the 2016 campaign
1: yeah well it's it's interesting um I, I guess, I mean, one thing that I struggle with, because this ballot measure specifically, it, it I, probably the, the, the biggest policy change is it creates in our state constitution an ethics commission. Now, you're talking about the swamp and everything in Washington, D.C. The last time I checked, they have all sorts of ethics commissions. They have all sorts of ethics bodies, the Senate, the House, uh, various uh, aspects of, of of the executive branch. They have these things all over the place. Do you really think that's helped?
3: It, well, I, I think setting one up in a state is usually helpful. Um, what what we want is a traffic cop for these kind of violations. Um, you know, we we always say we want to make it easy to compete and to participate in elections and hard to cheat. And I think in a lot of ways, it's the opposite now. Um, yeah, you know, people try to get people try to nail other people for paperwork issues. Or in Wisconsin, where they went after friends of mine who are around Walker. Um, you know, they went the other way and basically put together, you know, changed the ethics commission so it was one that just couldn't enforce at all. And, you know, it is a pendulum. I mean, you're absolutely right. You can have an over aggressive ethics commission. That's something we would fight against. But I think this idea that we don't want anything in place at all to monitor and to be a good traffic cop. I mean, I look at George Soros writing an $18 billion check to C3s last year. I'm like, guys, if we go the absolute no rules on any money moving around, and that C3 money starts to move around unfettered into politics, uh, that's the kind of thing I'm scared of.
1: Well, speaking about money flowing around, I mean, what, what really bothers me about this group, the, the the local iteration, they're calling themselves North Dakotans for Public Integrity, and I'm I'm looking at what they're doing. And they're, they're talking about they want to get money out of politics and everything, but they come in with a ballot measure to our state. They, they claim that they're a bipartisan group. I look at where they're getting money and And John, I see left wing groups. I think, in fact, I see n Citizens United, which is an organization that worked very, very hard to elect Hillary Clinton. So I have a hard pro I have a problem with themselves calling themselves bipartisan when I look at where their money's coming from. And b, I think it's funny to to, to talk about wanting to get money out of politics. They've received hundreds of thousands of dollars already for this ballot measure effort in North Dakota. They paid petition signatures to to, to get enough signatures to put this. On the statewide ballot. I mean, if you want to get money out of politics, why aren't they practicing what they preach?
3: Yeah, Enzo's United is left wing. I mean, no question. Ironically, the top congressional uh, bill that we're focused on right now is a bill that would stop the way they raise money, which is through unverified credit cards. I mean, they yeah they talk about the number of contributions that come in. Well, you know, Act Blue is a group that's put one, almost two billion dollars in unverified credit card contributions into liberal causes and, and democratic campaigns. And by unverified, I mean they've turned they have not allowed the bank to even check to see if this money's really coming from Americans. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're a left-wing group, and I don't like the way you know they raise these. You know, they they get all this money in because I'm suspicious a lot of that money is from overseas. So I think that's a very fair point. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to come out against a measure just because one group I vehemently disagree with and a lot of other things is for it too. Uh, but no, you're you're asking a fair question. We certainly should should look at groups, and you know, if we happen to overlap on one issue, that's one thing. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't stop looking at where money's coming. And to your point, though, I think mean I think the fact that there's transparency in those. Contributions is what we want. Again, I don't want to to throw a bunch of money into North Dakota. And I'd like to, hopefully, some of these things we're setting up would stop that or at least reveal it so voters would know.
1: Well, I mean, this this is being revealed under our current laws. I mean, what they're wanting to create is, is an ethics commission, which, again, we have ethics bodies all over Washington, D.C. That doesn't seem to help. They say they want to get money out of politics, but through May 25th, according to the North Dakota Secretary of State's website, they've raised over $367,000. $128,000 has come from Represent.us, which is a group that has a number of Hollywood celebrities on its board, uh, notably outspoken actress Jennifer Lawrence is one. They receive financial support from... from... From a number of left wing organizations like the Atlantic Foundation, the Tides Foundation, the Park Foundation, voters right to know gave this effort one hundred and seven thousand nine hundred dollars. They're a California group which bankrolled a ballot measure there, which would have uh, severely curtailed political speech, I believe, uh, in the name of transparency. I mean, John, you're 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 telling us to I I mean, I I feel like you're giving a sort of sort of contradictory arguments here i mean we're supposed to back this policy because it's good policy but the policy supposedly is motivated by all this all this money uh tainting politics how can you how can you have it both ways
3: well no and i do not ever sign off to just the adage we're trying to get money out of politics mine has always been i want elected officials To be able to focus on their voters and on solving problems instead of just money. You know, the thing I saw in 20 years of running conservative campaigns was that uh, when we started off, the candidates, yeah, they'd spend a third of their time raising money. That was legit. And, you know, you go into new candidate training now, either party, I don't care who it is, you know, they're often told you've got to spend 80, 85 percent of your time raising money. And that's the problem we're trying to get at. It's a balance. Uh, it's a balance okay. to have better representation. And so for me, that's the focus. I don't just say get money out of politics. When I talk about money and politics issues, it's to create a, a balance. And I think if we do that, we'd have better representation because, you yeah, know, I mean, the the swamp in Washington is terrible, and uh, but there are also, you know, some other practices i mean i don't like that. just south view it's just the the fact that you can give unlimited undisclosed gifts in south dakota for example i mean i I do have some conservative friends who'd like to go that route just say well nothing should ever be revealed there can't be any limit on it and i I just think that's when you get into real corruption you do have to have some ability to look at corruption
1: I'm 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 for transparency. So so to the extent, but I mean this, this ballot measure is not just about transparency. And we we have I think we have very strong transparency laws in North Dakota. Every document in our government is presumed to be an open record unless there's a specific statute saying that it's not. I work frequently with our open records laws. Uh, can you cite for us an example of something that's happened in North Dakota that that you feel this ballot measure would would correct, John? Uh,
3: no, no, I I won't tell you that I'm in the weeds at that level. What I can tell you is. But I do like the instant transparency that we created in Alabama after the Republicans took over, after money was moved around secretly. I'd like that that was always the case in Virginia. I still remember that when uh, um, when uh, George Allen was uh, running for governor and he got attacked by uh, for get, getting a check from Smithfield Foods, he held a press conference. They thought he was going to turn the check back in. and In fact, he was getting another $100,000 check from Smithfield to say this is an American business, et cetera. So, no, I, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to know the state history a lot more than me, et cetera. I'm just saying we're seeing around the country – I think a resistance to just looking at potential corruption okay. out there, well, and, and and it goes from the top down. I mean, look at you know Hunter Biden flies to China and gets a one point five billion dollars while yeah. his dad is meeting with the Chinese president DC. I mean, and these things work down,
1: right, John? I mean, I understand that, but what is? That? I mean, North Dakotans are being asked to vote on policy that's going to be in their state constitution. I mean, you, I, I, I was sent a press release by North Dakotans for Public Integrity that you would come on and talk about this specific ballot measure. North Dakotans aren't being asked to, to, to vote on federal policy or federal corruption or everything. We're being asked to a, a vote on a piece of policy that is going to apply here in North Dakota. And, uh, you know, right. I, I mean, I guess that's that's what I want. I mean, to me, I, I don't I, I don't want to say I don't care about those things. Cause obviously, I do. I'm a federal taxpayer as well. But, but before us is a ballot measure that's about North Dakota's constitution. That's what
3: should matter. Sure, sure. sure. Well, uh, OK, then I'd ask this. Do you think that a, an elected official should be able to raise campaign money and turn it into personal funds after? I mean, it's a legitimate question. No, but no. That and that's, that's, that's it, it, and
1: that's illegal in North Dakota now. The legislature addressed that. I was critical of them for not addressing that in the past when it came up.
3: Sure, sure. Got it. And and how about lobbyists coming straight out? And again, some think that's fine. I'm just asking the question. Do you think a lobbyist should be able to instantly you know, leave office and then accept payment uh, as a lobbyist, you know, a legislator leaving office?
1: A legislator leave office and immediately go to work? as I a. Mean, we've we, In North Dakota, we've literally had uh, legislators who work for groups that lobby the legislature while they're serving in the legislature. Um, I think that's probably one of the issues. I think as long as that's disclosed, voters can uh, – Voters can uh, can decide obviously you're you're asking the question about legislators immediately leaving office and going to work for a lobbyist uh you know I mean I, mean, I don't know um I mean, they'll seem yeah. like the logical lots of people do that um I, I don't know I don't have a problem with it as long as everybody's aware of the practice, I guess we can decide
3: well, well, and I guess to your point though a voter can vote if someone's staying in office doing it, but if they're leaving office, they lose that ability so. You know, if if a deal is cut for someone, you know, some out of state company or something to get a bid over uh, over a company in the state, and then the legislature legislator were immediately to leave and lobby for that group. I mean, that's the thing I get concerned, and we've seen that in different places. So, so my point I'm is, I, you know, I think these I are valid points in the in the uh, referenda that, that I think voters would like if they go through it.
1: Maybe, um, you know, I, I guess I am I am concerned there is a mountain of out-of-state money that has flowed into this. I think money from groups that don't stand for much of what North Dakotans want, given how North Dakotans typically vote on Election Day. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, that concerns me. I mean, it concerns me. I, I realize that, that you're a conservative guy and you're out speaking for this group now, but I look at where their money's coming from and john i'm I'm concerned I'm concerned that this that there's there's an ulterior motive to here that doesn't have a lot to do with public integrity and has a lot to do with advancing left wing causes
3: well, and I got hit for the you know I've been hit on the flip side of that certainly there are people who say, oh well, yeah you know, from the left you say, oh well you know you you write for Breitbart and yeah." You know, a few of your former contractors' employees now work for Trump, and, you know, they hit those reasons. And I say to people, you know, on that side, hey, you know, look at the actual legislation. You're raising legitimate points there. But, um, but you know, I I just say I get the flip side of that argument a lot from people who want to kind of discount my argument if they're left of center, uh, you know, on different measures because of that. But I would just say certainly take that in as one of your factors. But I would just encourage yeah. the voters to look through the actual planks. And I, I think I understand you, it looks like you're honed in on one on the Ethics commission but i think overall i think this plan is a good one it would oh. really help the state
1: well we can't we can't separate out i mean the ballot is an all or nothing thing i mean we don't get to just vote for parts of it the whole thing's going to be in our constitution if we if we vote for it and and, and and i don't know i mean i was i was hoping that you could come on and, and maybe speak a little bit more to the actual local state of affairs but it sounds like you're not that uh not that informed on it but john i, I appreciate your time anyway
3: Hey, we've got several months. Anytime you want to come back on, I'm happy to go through point by point down the road as we get into this Ab- campaign.
1: Absolutely. John Pudner from, uh, he is the executive director of Take Back Our Republic, speaking on behalf of the North Dakota's for Public Integrity behind that Ethics Commission. We'll wrap up the show after this. Uh, and by the way, I can announce we got a very special guest on the show tomorrow, Ben. I'll announce it after the break. 701 293 9000 970 Email talk at wday.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back, wrapping up the show. Jay Thomas Show, of course, straight ahead. You'll want to stay tuned for that. Coming up on tomorrow's show, I teased it a little bit, Corey Lewandowski, former uh, Trump campaign manager, is going to be on the program uh, because, of course, tomorrow President Trump is holding his rally in Fargo. uh, So that'll be a lot of fun. And then Congressman Kevin Kramer will be on as well um, because I imagine Kramer will be at the rally. We'll be enjoying the president's support. We'll be enjoying... (laughs) president trump riding herd on senator heitkamp i feel like that's going to happen
0: yeah i know there was some debate about whether or not he was going to be able to make it or if he'd have to be stuck voting on i believe it was the immigration bill in this in the house right yeah. now but i don't i
1: don't know that that's been settled
0: yet he will yeah. be on this show though at 1 Okay. yeah so we'll have that so
1: Corey lewandowski uh, kevin kramer tomorrow and has always been i extended an invitation to senator heitkamp to come on the program this week and uh, as usual did not receive a response okay which is pretty typical um, mm-hmm. I got a lot of abuse because I me- I mentioned this again in my set. Sa- People are like, "Well, Port, Port, you you mention this all the time. She just won't come on your show. You big jerk." Um, you know, I I don't know. It's not just my show. Uh, it's a number of right of center shows. Senator Heitkamp's political strategy is to limit her interactions to the, with the public to, you know, very, very tightly controlled settings where she's not going to really speak candidly with anybody, you know, even even to the extent that she does talk radio, she goes on with friendly hosts. Uh, I'm told she generally doesn't take phone calls. Um, I think that's unfortunate. I think we should hold our elected officials to a, a higher standard. The other two members of our delegation, John Hoven comes, I, I can't speak for uh you know how you know other hosts but in my experience he comes on this show every time i ask him every time he's on we have open phones i know the senator takes uh questions on on the program uh in fact we uh, we once did a whole hour open phones with senator hoven it took nothing but phone calls he's done that on this show kevin kramer's on every week taking phone calls but senator heitkamp doesn't like to do that and um uh, i don't know i don't think that speaks very highly of her. Uh let's see. Seven oh one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine email talk at WDAY.com. A couple moments, uh, just a couple minutes left. Um Ben, do you think we're gonna see any surprises out of Trump tomorrow?
0: Or is it just gonna be the typical Trump rally? I mean, given that it is Trump, I I don't know what to expect. Like I expect it to be high energy and exciting and I don't that's know. That's why what...
1: that's why everybody tunes in. You right. don't know what's gonna happen. Right. You don't know what's gonna happen. Anything could happen. Mm-hmm. I bet you he calls her high five Heidi. I bet you that's the one he goes with. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. That's it for me. Jay Thomas, show straight ahead. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.